The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host, Kelly Sullivan Walden, a.k.a. Dr. Dream, here on Unity Online Radio. So grateful to be with you. And the number to call if you have a question about your dreams or if you have any insight or information about the missing young woman with the blue ukulele, the number to call is 816 816- Two five one three five 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 eight one six two five one three five five five. We'll be taking your calls at the halfway point in this show. So today is episode six of our special series, Searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. And we've got a lot of stuff packed in for you today. And we're going to get to it. We're going to talk to, um, you're going to hear a conversation that I had with her dad. Everybody's been interested in what is the dad's part in all this and what's he like? And there's a lot of questions about him. And I think some of those questions will be answered today. And um, that's just the beginning. So let's start off with our little prayer. Oh, I just want to first say I'm sitting next to Nancy T right now. <laughs> Live in the flesh. Live in the flesh. So I'm so excited. And we also have Karina Ballerina in the room. Hello. And so this is a packed show and I'm so grateful. We've got some beautiful folks already lined up on the switchboard and we'll get to you at the halfway point in the show. So listen tight. Thank you so much for calling in and being interested. So let's just take a breath for a moment, turn within and release and let go for just a moment of everything we're trying so hard to do in our lives, all the figuring out, all the finding, all the searching. Let's just pop out of that for a moment and recognize and remember that right where we are is holy ground. We have everything that we truly need. It's all here. We don't have to search for it. What we truly need is nearer than our hands and feet and closer than our breathing So let's just have a lucid moment before we go into the dream um, of separation. Let's just have a bit of a remembering moment that we are whole and complete on this side of the veil, or if you're listening from the other side of the veil or wherever you hail, you are whole, you are complete, you are at one with the one. So breathing that in, let's intend to become as lucid as possible in this dream. And my intent is that you get whatever you're looking for during this time. This time isn't just about listening to other people's dreams or listening to us give the update on the searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele updates. But this is about you getting the update on finding 
that aspect of yourself that may have gone missing or perhaps a relationship that went missing a time in your life where you got ghosted and there's still pain around that. May this be an opportunity for you to get a healing that might be a surprise to you. So that's the intent. And with this, I'm just so grateful for all the folks at Unity that helped to bring this together. Louie behind the scenes that is working so hard and so amazing and Diane Ray and Jeff and all the others and Nancy T for being such a wonderful friend and ally and compatriot on this journey. Karina, we send prayers and love to to Tess, a.k.a. Satya, right where she is. Let's just flood her. Let's turn on the fire hose of love from our hearts. Let's just blast her with so much love and send some of that love through the ethers to Sharon, her mother, to Rich, her father, and to her brothers, Shane and Adam, and her stepfather, Michael, and all the surrounding family members and people who are close to her and, and still are that need some love right now. And send some to the people in your life that you know need a little boost. So with this, I just say thank you. And so it is. Amen. A woman. Ah dreams. Ah, Nancy T. <laughs> okay, Nancy. She I always love the way she reads the luminous humanist thought for the day. So here we go. Nancy T. All right. August 25th. Here we are, people. Live translucently. The litmus test for living a truly luminous existence is to imagine that everything you said, did, and thought was broadcast on billboards and written on the front page of tabloids and social media. When you scroll through what you do and say through the filter of translucence, you run out of room to harbor destructive habits, petty grievances, gossip, or any non-life-serving grudges. To live translucently is to live unshackled as if today were the last, and all there is to do is to love with your whole heart and unleash your passionate presence at full throttle. And the affirmation is, today I am translucent translucent, and live with my heart and soul on my sleeve. Holy guacamole, Batman. Makes me want to get some sleeves. <laughs> want to get some sleeves. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I'm... As you're as you're saying that, I should have pulled this up before, but there's this wonderful email that I'm wanna that I want to read later, and um, we have it on the Searching for Satya website. By the way, we have um, a set a website that gives us the update on everything Searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. The easiest way to find it is to just go to my website, kellysullivanwalden.com, and scroll it down about halfway, and you'll see pictures of the missing poster for Tess. And there's, uh, here it is. So later in the show, we're going to read it, a very telling email. But first, I want to so a lot of people have asked about what's Tess's dad like? What's, mm. what, you know, I think it's kind of unfair. Um, a lot of people assume that he might have played a role in her leaving. Um, it's just an interesting thing. And it's not, you know, I mean, there are some fathers that are awful. And there are some that are not. And I'll let you decide. Um but yeah, I'm just going to say that. So Louie, why don't you play the the first clip so they can get to know, start to get to know Rich, Tess, a.k.a. Satya's father. 
Okay, Rich. It's can you hear me? Okay, yeah. All right. All right. So, so let's start with Tess was thirty years old yeah. and uh on November sixteenth in two thousand and twelve she disappeared. She was on Capitola Beach at New Capitola City at New Brighton Beach. She had camped there uh the night before she disappeared and uh or yeah i believe it was either the night before or two nights before she might have stayed at a hotel the night before but two nights before she camped there and right above that beach is a beautiful campground and on the beach was a temporary bathroom that was being used by both men and women it was a round blue plastic bathroom with a white top it was about uh maybe 20 plus feet in diameter um she parked at a parking place that was an overflow parking area for a small um apartment complex that was right on the beachfront mm-hmm. and uh if she would have parked in the parking lot of the beach there was a 10 dollar charge so ah. I think that's probably why she parked at the parking lot overflow for the apartment building, which had a bunch of spots and nobody uses them. And uh, I think she knew it because she hung around that area quite a bit and she was using the bathroom. And when using the bathroom is when she disappeared, either on the way to, from, or in the bathroom. Whoa. Uh, the car was found in the same spot. It was unlocked. All her stuff was in the car. The key to the car was in the little pocket of the door so that uh, she literally just went to go to the bathroom. All the stuff that she normally keeps on her all the time and her phone and everything, everything was in the car. So, um, yeah, I think what we're starting to hear is some things that are new and some things that we've been hearing consistently throughout. This is the first time that I heard about her being parked by this bathroom. I, I, the story that I had gotten is that she was on the side of the road mm-hmm. um, and I, that she was in a wooded area. So this is the first time I'm seeing a totally different scene parked by the bathroom and um and this very vivid bathroom, and we'll find out why he describes it in such vivid detail. But some of the things that we've heard so far consistently. The car, the car being completely full with all of her things, except. The blue ukulele. Yeah, except that. And, and But he did have a reason for that. He said that sometimes if she would go walking, there were yeah. trails nearby. And he said that she would do that just to like maybe walk and stop for a bit, relax, play her uke, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it was, you, you questioned it, right? Right. Well, I thought if, if she was, if I, if I was camping and I was going just to the restroom, I would just go to the restroom. I don't know that I would bring a ukulele into the bathroom with me because there wouldn't really be a place to put it, you know, in a, in one of those temporary bathroom kind of things. So it seems to me, the fact that the ukulele hasn't been found 
And I'm deliberately trying to say ukulele, by the way, because I've been corrected by people so many times. It's not a ukulele. It's right. It's right. not Yuri Geller. It's Uri, Uri. So I'm <laughs> sorry. I try to get it right. But so that part still feels a little curious to me. Um, but what we have heard is all the stuff in the car and unlocked mm-hmm. and food and food. And by the way, the mom, Sharon said that she always kept her car unlocked even before she, like, it's not odd that she left it, even though all her earthly belongings were in there. She once had a, a recording studio in her, like a portable recording studio years before that got taken because she just didn't believe in locks and her purse, her wallet, everything, her, her wallet, anything you could imagine in it and food she had just purchased from whole foods right and he and he goes on to say that it's um also camping gear and things like that okay so louis let's hear this next piece and this will give us a little clue as to why he's so specific about the bathroom we had a uh, really great psychic one of the one of the nation's best works okay. with the police works with the uh military I forget the girl's name, the woman's name. I got connected to her through a friend of a friend who knew Mm -hmm. her personally. Okay. Uh, She's the one said, look for a blue building, very blue, with a very white top, she told me. She said, I don't know if it's a house or what it is. She said, "I I don't get that it's a house and something to do with bathroom. She said, we know she went to the, uh, foods and, uh, we, there's the tape with her going to Whole Foods and coming out of Whole Foods. And yeah. uh, she had a receipt in the car from that day in the afternoon around three o'clock yeah. uh, from going to Whole Foods, three something, three thirty or something. Um, so she had gone to Whole Foods and then Whole Foods was about six or seven blocks from where this bathroom was. Um that's pretty much it. The bathroom was just like she, the uh, psychic said, look for blue and white. The bathroom was very blue with a very white top. So that's also a new piece that we hadn't heard before. Um, that I know when I was listening to this, this was all feeling like it. I've been feeling really hopeful. And then in this conversation, I'm starting to not feel so hopeful and yet there's other people that, that we're, we're going to talk to that, that have very different information. So I'm just trying to bring you all as much info as possible. Um, do you want to say anything about that, Nance? There's just there's so many different pieces and parts. And it's interesting, the com- some of the conflicting things, but then there are some things that are consistent. So just to kind of weave it together and maybe those folks listening have insights. We'd love to hear them, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the thing that, so this was a very long conversation and I tried to make, I tried to abridge it a bit, but one of the things he talks about that I also hadn't heard is that she was working mm. at a boarding house in Highland Park, California, which is actually right around the corner from where my stepdaughter works at the police museum in Highland Park. And she lived there and worked there. And so that was interesting. And she was also taking care of cancer patients teaching them yoga yeah. and within the year before she passed before she passed <laughs> before she left all her, all of her clients got sick and died and she was in and out of hospitals and funerals and the after the fourth client 
passed away. Tess told her dad, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I need to go and I need to not work. I need to not teach. I need to just go. And she, she took off right after that. So that, that kind of adds to the, the, the angst of just her wanting to get away um, and not being so much about being angry, but somewhat like heartbroken. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the way he put it is she would be with one patient and they would be seemingly doing okay, but mm-hmm. then they would die and she would, you know, be in the hospital with the next one. And then they, so she had, it was a repetitive thing to the point where she couldn't take it anymore. And then he talked about his life yeah. with, with death. And before, oh, before yeah. he even got to that point, I said, it just is like, there's death all around him. I sensed that. And right. then he spoke up and said that the same time she went missing, how many of his friends were, I think he it was in the forties. It was like yeah. 42 or 45 people that have passed since Tess passed nine years ago. And since then it's been just since she so went missing. much. Yeah. So he's been going through a lot. And that was really insightful of you that you picked that up well, about him. And, the, and then it felt like they shared that because, I mean, yeah. because she had all that death from, you know, yeah. from her, her clients or her patients or whatever you want to call them. And then he had all of those. Right. But he, he, yeah. So by the way, so Nancy is an energy healer. She's um, certified in body code and um, Reiki and emotion code and, and other modalities. And she's actually going to be meeting Sharon today. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? I, you know, I really, I feel like for sure, there's no doubt everybody has it. She's got some stuck energy that I think I can help her release. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say it's going to bring her this whole new light bulb around her daughter, but I think it'll help her feel a little more at peace with herself. One of the things where you start. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I've been wanting to do is bring in as many psychics and healers Mm -hmm. as possible, because if there is some rift or disconnection between the two, the mother and the daughter, then the more light that shines on that, then if there is hope for some kind of reconnection, then that's one way to do it. And also if there's a part of her that's, that's turning a blind eye to something, Mm -hmm. it might allow her to look at it yeah. more gently. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so let's see, um, this to me, it was really telling, um, this next little piece when I got to kind of, I really wanted to get more into his heart cause I felt like he was very full of facts and figures, which is important, but, um, I feel like you, you kind of hear his heart crack open in this next piece. So, um, take it away, Louie. You had a good relationship. I had a good relationship with her always. Mm. I never had a, uh, a fight with her, I don't think, in her whole life. Oh. I mean, there was times she copped an attitude about this or that, or maybe she didn't agree with something I told her about what to do, but never really where we had a fight, never were yelling at each other or nothing in her whole life. Whereas her mother and her had had quite uh, you know, quite a few during the years. So I want to jump in here um, just because I've talked to Sharon and Sharon concurred that. She said that Tess did have a good relationship with her dad. And Sharon said she also had a good relationship with with Tess before she became Satya, even though because they were closer, they spent more time together. They did fight. They did They did bump heads. And one of the main reasons that, from according to Sharon, is Sharon was always trying to help Tess with her moods, with her like 
to, you know, take a walk, do some yoga, think on the bright side. And she was like, you can't just hear me. You can't just feel me. You can't. And, and she would also kind of walk into the room and say, oh my God, I can't handle your energy. Cause she was super, super sensitive. Mm. He, he talks about how, as Tess got thinner, he said she was always thin, but the thinner she got and towards the end, she was very, very skinny about just a little over 80 pounds. And she was five, five. He said there was a, there was a, a relationship between her thinness and her inability to be at peace in this world. Yeah, more sensitive. He said she was just more sensitive about everything. Mm-hmm. And that was something he saw more so right before she left. Yeah, kind of more emotionally unhinged and more upset about things. Things would be too loud, too bright. Right, too... sensitive, yes, to yep. sound and light, exactly. And, and I have a visual from what he shared, and I wish I had the recording of that. Um, It'll be in a, we'll put it somewhere. But he says the last time he saw her, which was just about two weeks before she went missing, he met up with her in Santa Barbara. Um, So she had been missing from the mom for about six to nine months at that point. But he had been in touch with her every week, every week to 10 days they would talk. And the last time he saw her, they were in Santa Barbara at the beach and there was a tree and she always wanted to sit and climb in the trees. Mm-hmm. And she asked him to give her a boost and he did. And he said he lifted her with one hand, basically. He said she was so light. And um so he and I and I didn't put that in here um about his vision of, of what happened. So let's right. just let's just hear this next piece, Louie. Um and put on your big girl and boy britches. This this is not a fun part to hear. And so I know that you know there's some great psychics out there, and I've been like connecting with some of them. And but I also think that that parents are incredibly psychic because you've got that bond. Do you? Right. That's why I was looking for. I didn't get a right. phone call. And I had a bad feeling. That's what started yeah. the whole whole search for her. So. Do you do you believe she's on the other side? I mean, do you absolutely? Think she's, she's gone. She's gone. Ah, okay. That must be rough to not even be able to have an, a definitive, like no, no Very ceremony, you no, no memorial. No, to... no, Sharon would never have a ceremony or a memorial. Uh, both. Um, my sons wanted to, and Sharon would never do it. She kept saying, she's alive, she's alive, she'll come back someday, she's coming back, she's coming back, she's coming back. There's never been any sign of her in any way, uh, anywhere, uh, you know. She has never paid any taxes, she's never used mm. her ATM card or her credit cards or gone to the bank or anything. So, according to him, and even later we talk, I say, you think she's gone? And he says, absolutely. And I asked how he imagines it happens. And he says that he's vividly seen in his mind that somebody followed her into the bathroom. And there was no signs of foul play at the car because nothing happened at the car. That was one of the consistent pieces that we've gotten. But this is the first time 
there's been some hypothesis that that it happened in this bathroom, but still, where's the ukulele? And he also said, or it could have been, she could have gone out on the trail and she was so light, someone could just swoop her up and pick her up easily. Right. He did say that. Right, exactly, that it wouldn't have taken too much to have to overpower her. Right. Okay, so that was hard to me. That was really hard because it's like, wait, no, we've heard there's so much hope. There's so much hope. And then, so let me give you a little teeny, just a little teeny bit of hope. There was an email that her mom, Sharon sent me about this blogger that she was following Amara Rose. um, And the name of the article is called the new nomads, spiritual sojourners with a global vision. And here's just a tiny piece before we go to the break. We don't sleep at shelters or in public parks. You won't see us panhandling or pushing shopping carts. We blend right into the mainstream society with a discernible difference. We're nomads living an eccentric lifestyle, something out of economic, I don't know how to say that word, exigency, okay, but also by choice. We're on a mission to serve. Maybe you can keep reading, Nance, for at least another minute. Okay. Okay. Here we go. We're going to take the glasses. Spirit may call us in an instant to far-flung coordinates, and we answer the call by car, by air, by bicycle, by bus, by train, on foot. We're pilgrims with a purpose and a passion, doing what we must for our world in the midst of a birth process. We're planetary midwives, a job description you won't find advertised in any mainstream newspaper. There's no precedence for this scale of creative homelessness. Our either-or black-and-white society sanctions camping out for fun, but not out of necessity. Pay your passage to sleep on the ground, and it's a holiday. Slip into a park to sleep for free, and you're under arrest. It's an interesting double standard upheld by the the omnipotent dollar sign. So that is... Um... That's a piece from the new Nomad Spiritual Sojourners with a Global Vision. I'm going to be interviewing Amara Rose soon, the woman who wrote this piece. I just reached out to her and she she called me back. So on the other side of this break, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your dreams. We want to hear any thoughts or insights that you have about our search for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. So I am Kelly Sullivan Walden, a.k.a. Dr. Dream, and this is the second half of episode six of this special series, Searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. And we will be taking your calls. If you have dreams, if you have insights, if you have questions, the number is 816-251-3555. So I have my friend Karina here who, to me, sounds, she's a singer as well, just like Tess. And when you've, if you've heard the song um, that Tess 
wrote and recorded. It's on our website. On um, If you go to kellysullivanwalden.com, scroll down, click on The Girl with the Blue Ukulele, and you can hear the song. And Karina's voice sounds a lot like her. So I imagined you reading one of Tess's poems um, out of Tess's book that she wrote called Crying in Public. So this is a piece that Karina picked from Tess's book. Bit of a stretch. There's a quote that opens it that says, but we are all so many cars distance apart, each to his own, alone and predictable. I want to share this world with people too, to clarify that's persons or individuals. I'm so inclined to think that if I could get a strong enough crowbar, I could pry open their chests, get everyone to throw their hearts into a communal pile, which we'd all proceed to roll around in. This condition, which consists, metaphorically speaking, of the gnawing sense that such is truly possible, is debilitating. But I've been noting so much in all this time, I've gotten to watch with X-ray hawk eyes. So it's an educated guess if it's a guess. But it's almost as if I need everyone crying on my bony shoulder all the time to feel like things are as they should be. That is an exaggeration, but I don't know how to say what I mean in perfectly accurate terms. Kid... Your mind can change. I mean the chemical structure. I thought the same thing once, because of course, when you're in it, you can't imagine that an alternative is possible, not in realistic terms. Jesus Christ, I'm exhausted. I've been pushing like crazy, trying to talk, to get others to talk, to define the line between truly inappropriate and just plain scary, but barrier-breaking. Ooh. That's from Tess's poetry book, Crying in Public, Tess Lerner and AKA Satya. Okay, so let's um, let's take some questions. Let's see, let's start with Miss Denise. We always have some really interesting dreams from Miss Denise. So, and you've got Nancy T here, Denise. You there? You know, Hi, Denise. And you know, I just love me some Nancy T. <laughs> I love you too, Denise. <laughs> All right. What you got for us, okay. Denise? Okay. I, I had one that um just last night that um I don't know. I, I think it could be kind of disturbing, but y'all are the experts. Um I see let me just I'm not gonna say what I think. Let me just go ahead. Had a dream that I was in a house. It wasn't that the current house that I live in. Hell, I don't know whose house it was, to tell you the truth. But I was in the house, and all of a sudden I see smoke. And I said, mm. you know, I think there might be a fire. So then I stepped outside of the house, and I kind of turned around, and there was a fire in one of the rooms or some part of the house. But the interesting thing was it just didn't seem to shake me. Oh, there's a fire. You know, like, there's a fire. It wasn't an inferno. It was a small fire in one of the rooms or some part of the house, but it just wasn't engulfed. And maybe it was just starting. But um, I just wasn't like, oh, my God, there's a fire. I was like, oh, there's a fire. I mean, I don't know. It just didn't move me. I mean, of course, the dream ended, so I, you know, I don't, you know, I'm sure the fire department came in, in, in every day since. That's what you would do, but it was just kind of strange because I was around all this smoke, and like I said, I just stepped out the house and said, "I think there's a fire." I didn't go room to room. I stepped outside of the house and just turned around and said, "Yes, there is a fire to the left or to the right." That was it. I, okay. I don't know. 
Oh, right. Great. So Nancy T, you go. <laughs> have at it. Well, you know, Denise, you know how I love that you can have anything happen in your dreams and you're like, you know, it just doesn't really phase me. It makes me think if it were my dream that I am like just the most powerful being on the planet. But also, um, I it also made me feel like if this were my dream, I think I when I, I can spot something that's not so great, like bad energy, and I just tend to take myself away from it, which is such a, mm. a great, great thing for us to be able to do. Mm. There's so many people see bad energy and they either go towards it or they make it worse themselves. But you can spot it on a dime and remove yourself from the situation. And it's just such a great thing to have as mm. in your toolbox. Mm. What did you think, Cal? <laughs> <laughs> I love that copy and paste. My first feeling is if it, well, I, of course, ditto what you just said. I love that Denise is like chilled out. And you know, oh, it's important. Nancy and I have been working on being undisturbable for a while. So I'm always inspired when somebody can be calm in the midst of chaos. So that's, that's something. But also because this is, you've brought in this dream while we're in the search for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. And part of that is us looking for that inner girl that is emotional and that is, that maybe thinks everything's on fire. So I wonder if there's some part that, you know, that that's calling, like setting out the alarm bells, maybe setting alarms. Fire sometimes to me represents transformation, the burning down of an old system so that something yeah. new can be resurrected, even though it seems yeah. destructive. Go ahead. What's that? You got a little pop? Yeah. I have to agree with you. I I somewhat looked at it as um, a transformation. I also looked at it as, I don't know, um, I'm an insurance type of person. If the doggone house burns down, <laughs> then you call the insurance company, you get the damn thing rebuilt. Life goes right. on. Bigger and right. better. You know, right. I, I, didn't see, I didn't see the house. Oh, my God, this house is going to burn down. Where am I going to live? I think my mentality then, like it is now, in the dream was like, if it burns down, it burns down. Just call the insurance company and get a new house built. I, I, didn't, I didn't find myself like, oh, my, and it, I don't know if that's good or bad. I didn't find myself alarmed. Oh, there's some smoke. Oh, there must be a fire. Oh, let me step outside. Oh, there is a fire. So in some way, there's there's been one of the people who's part of the searching for Satya thing, Dr. Dr. Bruce. Um, he is one of those people that was not alarmed by any of this stuff happening with Tess. He was okay. like, okay, this is fine. This is a young woman trying to find herself. There's no drama here. Mm -hmm. So so in some way, there is a perspective that, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. P.S. It's all small stuff. So. I love that's a, to me, it's a, it's a wonderful, I mean, even when we had our conversation the other night, Nancy, about kind of mental illness versus mm -hmm. kind of the spiritual perspective, which is, oh, the person's just having a crisis. They're just transforming. This is what it looks like. So right. if we can hold it as transformation is a good thing. In fact, fire is, I would say it's one of the dream symbols that I was having a lot before I even wrote my first dream book. Um, just because a lot of people were saying, wow, fire is like such a, it seems like such a bad thing mm -hmm. in a lot of dream books. It's, mm -hmm. It means um, like, I don't know, something mm -hmm. really bad's happening. And I'm like, the transformation doesn't no. have to be bad. It can be beautiful. So no. Denise, thank you for bringing that to us. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you and, find what, go ahead. go ahead. And also I want to say, I watch a lot of those Ivana Fix Your Life and a lot of those psychology types of shows. Mm -hmm. And mm, yeah, they always Yonla. have people yeah, I'm glad you said it better than I did. But um, 
a lot of those shows, well, not hers, but a lot of those shows, they tell you to take stuff and put it in the fire and burn it, to, you know, right. stuff like right. that. So it's I'm a cleansing. Gonna, yeah. Like burn, baby, burn. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's a theme for today in, in all the good ways. Burn, baby, burn. If it's like sometimes we just have to let stuff go. All right, Denise, thank you so thank much you, for Denise. being a part of the show. Yeah. Lots of love, honey. Okay, so let's go to Leilani. Leilani, love, what you got for us, my sweet? Hello, ladies. How are hey. you? Great. Great. What's on your heart today? So that, well, that interview with the father was very interesting. Um, yeah, what'd you get? Well, I just, there's just something missing here. There's a piece missing. It just feels like some key piece. And it's fascinating to me that the mother's approaching it very different than the father. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I keep thinking about the book Into the Wild. I don't know if you've read that book. Well, yeah. And the movie is yeah. was one of Tessa's movie. favorite movies, and she watched it a bunch. Right. I actually didn't read right. that book. I just watched the movie. So maybe that's a book to read. Mm-hmm. And I All right. the book is a little different than the movie, but that's a key yeah. point, I think, too, because... You know, the guy, it sounds like she kind of, I don't know if she was like that before she read the book, but she took on some of those energies. And um, my heart goes out to all the people that are going through just the disappearance of a loved one. And another thought is you could talk to a medium. I know an excellent medium in San Diego who... Bring her on. Um, I actually have yeah. two mediums that just showed up this week that have been that are that have worked mm-hmm. with the police that that are on the case and that I'm going to be talking to and hopefully bringing them to you guys next week or in the following week. But I'm so I'm open to all all the cool mediums. I think you sent me her. Well, that camera. So I think she has a year or two wait list. The woman mm-hmm. medium I know she's helped um, some of my friends whose children have died. Um, I've actually had a lot of death in my realm, like maybe 50-some people. Oh, but I, my God, I Leilani. I, wow. Well, and you're I, so I young. You sound world, so young anyway. <laughs> I'm a world traveler, so it's like I met a guy in Peru and he mm-hmm. died. You know, so um, what was I going to wow. say? I, I, see, I don't see death as death. I see we the body dies, but we transition to another dimension. And I really believe there's something here for the soul pod and I keep bringing that up that yes this is part of a soul contract that was agreed to before these soul pod beings took an incarnation that's mm-hmm. why I love past life regression and between lives regression mm-hmm. is you can meet with the council of elder and the guides and get a perspective that's not 3D human, you know what I mean? Totally. And also my friend Margot in San Diego, if in fact she has, has crossed over, she could talk to her soul. Yeah. So that's a thought. Well, I say yes to that. Yeah. Leilani, thank you so much for your love and for your insight. It's always great to have You're you. Welcome. I so appreciate you following along and, and supporting. So thank you. Yes. And keep it going. Keep it coming. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Okay, let's see. We've got Anna, who we haven't talked to for a while. Let's hear a little bit from Anna. Oops. Hi. Or Anna. I Thanks don't know if it's Anna this. or Oceana. 
right? It's Oceana, right? Right. Whatever. You can call me hey. Polizia if you want to. <laughs> call you what? Um, Polizia if you want. It means moss oh. in Spanish. <laughs> Polizia. Okay. I'll see if I can remember that. <laughs> okay. So what's on your heart today? And have you been following along our search for oh, yeah. Satya, the girl with the blue up. ukulele? Yeah. Yeah. She's really touched into this uh, loss. Um kind of like carrying the darkness of, you know, of every, of, for everyone's families that I've experienced in my family. And I identify with myself and my brother, even thinking about the time when we ran away and we were younger, but um, I've really been, been heavily feeling the story in her. And um, I have a question about the father's, testimony at the end but I had a dream I wanted to share from last week I didn't get to share in time but she um she's also come into my dreams recently after catching up on all the shows because I've been on summer break (laughs) yeah yeah, like after okay so I'll just say that the dreams that I was feeling her heavily like really strongly like her essence is like almost like in me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like mm, she's like wow. connecting to me and like speaking to me um mm. not like I'm a medium or anything but but in that way like psychically but in a I dream I like had this very yeah. le- <laughs> okay in this dream I I felt like I was like half awake half sleeping sort of um like I was aware of dreaming you know not so much mm-hmm. lucid because the imagery wasn't that defined but um I just had the feeling of like a boat like a sailboat because you know mm-hmm. Santa Cruz is right on the coast and yep. that was like an imp- like an impressing remaining um remnant mm. like imagery and um you mm. know I've had my time like biking through the Santa Cruz mountains and I feel compelled to go there as well um my fr- I have a friend there and she's wanted me to move there but um you know I, I, I always think of Santa Cruz as a place I'd go back to at some point mm-hmm. um yeah and I visited quite a bit, but, um, yeah, I, I think just my curiosity finishing about the story is wanting, wanting to know more about the exchange that the dad had since he was much more in contact regularly. Um, uh-huh. I find it surprising that the mom was out of contact already for like six to eight months, I understand. So I'd be interested mm-hmm. to hear that missing piece of what the content of the exchanges consists of. He- well, he, yeah, he says, and I, and I just tried to excerpt some of what he said, but um, he said that he was, it was, he didn't talk about exactly what they talked about, but mostly sh- he, it was not that different than how it had been before. He said that they always got along really well. He, he was always just kind of supportive and he would always go to her. Like he, he would meet her wherever she wanted to. And, and he, you know, I'm, he was you know, paying for things and offering to pay for things. And, um, and he, his brother, remember? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he says that he, that she got this, the disappearing act from, from him. He, well, sort of, he told his own brother, the dad told his brother, I don't want to talk to you for a year. Call me in a year. And the brother called him in a year and he said, I'll talk to you in another year. Even though they talked a few months later, he said that she got the idea from him and she told the mom that you may not hear from me for a year and 
so that year, the mm. clock on that year started and it was about six to nine months. I'm not exactly sure what the date is, but it was, um, it was around November, 2012 when she went missing from everybody. But during that time that she was missing from the mom, she was in touch with the dad every week to 10 days. He said if a week would pass and they wouldn't talk, he would jump on the phone and call her. And it was the same with the brothers. And it was all kind of very the same, even though he said that she was getting progressively more emotional and more upset about things because she she said that she like she wasn't taking care of herself as well while she was living in her car. Does that help? Okay. Answer your question. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so my dream was about wandering through these interior spaces. Um, okay. I've had repeat dreams about that. Sorry, did you want to... Say anything else first before I share the dream? Um, I was going to say one thing. Oh, I just wanted to say one thing. When when the dad, um, with the police, when they, the police that was first on the case, there was um, a woman who had had troubles with her father and had run away. And she projected a lot of that onto the dad. So she wouldn't talk to him. And when hmm. Tess's dad, Rich, wanted to talk to her supervisor, the supervisor shut him down too. So they kind of profiled him as the reason she left and that he was abusive and, huh. and all of this. So he's been completely like doubly traumatized. Like not only did he lose his daughter, but he's being projected on as the possible villain and reason for this. And oh, he geez. said it couldn't be further than further from the truth. Uh, and Sharon, the mom, irrational. even though she doesn't gush about what a, you know, saying all these great things about him. She doesn't say anything bad about him, but she does say he was a good dad and he still is a good dad to his, his kids and great granddad. And he was very close with Tess. So that's what we have consistently. Okay. All right. So let's well, hear your dream because from, for so anybody who's listening for the that. first time, I'm offering mm -hmm. people to bring in their dreams in the spirit of this, because I think sometimes people's dreams might hit on clues, even if we, even if it doesn't seem to be specifically about tests. Okay. So hit it on a interior space. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just responding to what you're saying. That it sounds like the dad wouldn't, I get, there's a reason that he wouldn't feel so much hope about her by not having mm -hmm. that support mm -hmm. from like crucial people that were supposed yeah. to be helping him. Yeah. But yeah. it's also his sense. So he's, you know, <laughs> he, he has that, you know, he deserves his own sense, but about it, but Right. Um, or he's granted that. But um, so the interior spaces I was wandering through, um, they also brought back like memories of a friend. So I was either in a friend's house or um, I was like finding like family members. But it was the consistent thing was that I was going through these multi-leveled like square, rec like rectangular, you know, like cubic like uh, conglomerations of like kind of sculptural like dwellings that were like leading me through you know kind of like tunnels that were curving and but they were mm. all like box like anyway um these interiors and they're multi-leveled and the other commonality was that in each of the dreams I had two in a row and they were really exhausting so I was like I don't know mm. what I'm doing here but then I would like end up with a friend from like 12 years back, like my early twenties, or I guess that was like 14, whatever. Um, like my time living in Santa Barbara and also, mm. um, like when, around age eight, I guess actually it was 1920. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend that represented like, um, to me, the first one was 
um, like inspiration and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like someone I hadn't I hadn't thought about for a long time. Mm. And another one, um, this woman, it was like her new dwelling um, up in Portland. Um, someone I like, I was explaining how I was like so sad. I hadn't connected with her. I hadn't ever like responded to her email. And she's now like in this, she has like this four-year-old daughter. Um, I met her older daughter, but this is someone who I haven't seen in like six years. And I was explaining everything in real life, but I, I haven't, I mean, in the dream, but I haven't in waking life explained to her that I wanted to by email. <laughs> like, sorry, I haven't been able to visit you. I've been out of touch. Mm. But, um, oh, interesting. But yeah, she's just like, oh, nothing. It's fine. No big deal. You know, mm. but the feeling I was left with it was like, why am I in like, I keep having mm. this labor intensive wandering through these interior spaces coming out of it. Like, I don't know, you know, and like Ooh. these people from my past, I don't know. I also, well, I think it's interesting. I'm going to jump in just a little bit of an, if it were my dream, there's um, a woman, there's a, there's a, a dream circle of mine. There's a, a few women that are pretty powerful dreamers. And one of them talked about tuning into Tess and having a similar kind of a thing about, she didn't call it necessarily interior spaces. And she, she was says that it was a bit more underground, but it's perhaps connecting with, it could be your own soul. It could be connecting with the soul of Tess that is doing this, this underground work that it's, it's not, it's, there's not a lot of light in it. There's a, but there's work involved and it's arduous and it's like looking for stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, what I, what I'm struck by is at the end of this dream, you talk Mm -hmm. about saying, I'm so sorry that I was out of touch and that I, that I was, that I didn't reach out earlier. So I think that's also an interesting piece about being out of touch. There's just something in that about, and then you were forgiven. So I think you are very much connected. And even you just occurred to me a lot like the archetype of Tess and even Karina sitting in this room, you're like you're a traveler, you're a wanderer, you're, you know, many other things, you know how to ground yourself as well, but you really love just the open road and being out in the world and being on an adventure and that's not defined and, you know, and even, even sleeping in your car if you need to. And it's like, yeah, so, and, and you're the type that's also like, you could be out of touch because you're just on an adventure and God knows when you're going to come up for air and you don't want to feel bound to people. So, and then there's something in this dream I think is very cool. Um, even as a, a reward coming out of that dark stuff, coming into the presence of these old friends, it feels like hard work followed by a reward. What are you getting, Nancy? Uh, the the part that struck me most, if it were my dream, was you were talking about multi levels and mm-hmm. and different shapes and everything. And it reminded me of, you know, Tess just trying to fit somewhere yeah, right. and almost Ooh. having to shape shift when she's in this world to Ooh. be able to survive and so sensitive <laughs> to it. And it felt very much like she's just trying to find a place and maybe it's this and maybe it's this or here or here. I'm, I'm moving my hands all around. You can't see me, <laughs> out, but it's brilliant. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful interpretive dance. Yes. I'm doing an interpretive dance, <laughs> but it just, that's what it felt like to me. Just a, just um multi-level. She doesn't, she's Ooh. not always on this plane. And it's an interesting thing too 
too, because Tess and you, Anna, or Polly Shada, Polly you occurred to me as very feminine, very flowy, mm-hmm. and these shapes and um, cubic, these cubes and all these things are very, in some way we could say masculine. And um, so there's kind of this juxtaposition and it's like that sort of, I think in some way, all of us are these angelic beings that know flow in our bones. And then here we come into this world where there's all these rough edges and it's not easy to do that. And yet we, we want to become more sensitive that's the goal. And yet the more sensitive we are, the more we feel the fire, we feel the heat, we feel. So I think that's, this is beautiful. And Anna, I really appreciate you taking the time to dream about her. And this is what I invite everybody to do. Even, of course, dream for yourself. Of course, dream a fest your own things, but please think about you know, offer a dream for her. So as we wrap up this show, I just want to thank everybody for participating in episode six coming up. We're going to be talking to Amara Rose and we're going to be talking to, um, she's the one from the new nomads and we've got some other mediums that are hot on the case. So there's a lot coming up and even, and here's just a few things coming up that relate. Our Dia de los Muertos event has been canceled because of the Delta variant and but we will be doing a virtual Dia de los Muertos event so check it out on my website we'll be having more info about that thank you so much for your listening and until we all meet again next week don't take your dreams lying down thanks for joining me Nancy T it's great being here thank you for listening this is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Do you have an online course or an event or a book you'd like to promote? We've got the right audience for you. Our listeners love content like the show you just heard. You can reach our engaged audiences by advertising right here on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast network in shows about wellness, self-care, spirituality, angels, and more. Contact info at mindbodyspirit.fm.